Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Monday, April 6th. We begin with a national update on the COVID-19 pandemic. Mercedes Stevenson, Global's Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block, brings us the latest, including an update on Canada's order of N95 masks from U.S. manufacturer 3M. Next, we look at this week at City Hall. 770 CHQR reporter Aurelio Perry talks to us about what's on the agenda, and the big one is property tax increases. Looks to be a lot more complicated this year due in part to the impact of the coronavirus crisis. Then we tackle the timely topic of regular citizens wearing medical masks in public. We hear from our on-call family physician, Dr. Ted Jablonski, on whether or not they are effective protection from the virus. And finally, they've become a staple of communication and socialization during this COVID-19 crisis. Video chatting apps. But which one is best for you and your needs? Suggestions from a tech expert. 609 now and it's time to take a look at the current impact COVID-19 is having across our nation and how the situation has progressed over the weekend. We're joined this morning by Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block live from self-isolation. Good morning, Mercedes. Good morning. Are you still are you still in isolation after your trip well, to the US? I- I am I am in isolation in that I choose to be in isolation now versus uh, my enforced isolation, which ended this weekend. And I actually I went outside and went for a walk for the first time. Oh, it must have felt days. good. Uh, yeah, it was really nice. There's there's all kinds of things that happen when you don't really move that much for two weeks. <laughs> That's and, true. Uh, <laughs> Hmm, it, it turns out you should probably, you know, uh, try to exercise yeah, at home. Things stiffen so up nice a little bit, out. don't they? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> well, lots went on over the weekend for sure. We had uh, more announcements from the Prime Minister, and it looks like this morning is going to be good news for a lot of people signing up for the new federal emergency aid program. Yeah, so that launches today. In fact, you can access it right now. Um, just a reminder that you have to have lost your job as a result of COVID-19 in order to apply for this. Um, you have to have made a certain amount of money in the last year to apply for it. Um, so that there are certain requirements there um, that'll provide $2,000 a month. You basically have to reapply every month and prove that um, you haven't made money in the previous 14 days um, and that that is related to COVID-19. So for people who who are already on EI or who are on EI and it's expiring, uh, who are coming out of university, can't get a job, uh, who were part-time casual workers that don't meet the minimum income required, uh, or who are self-employed, this won't do much for them. But it will do things for those who have lost their job as a result of COVID-19 and what's happening there. Um, it is staggered in terms of application process. So while anybody can go on the website now, they're asking you to actually do this by birth month so you don't crash mm-hmm. the system. So if you're born in January, February, or March, you can do it today. Uh, you know, if, if it's uh, April, May, June, you're tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera, you get the idea. Um, so that's sort of what's going on today with that. And for those who apply online, they could get a check within three days. So it'll be pretty quick if you have your bank account linked up through the CRA. Uh, if not, you'll wait a little bit longer to have that sent to you. And of course, time will tell. Let's uh, cross our fingers that everybody gets the money coming to them and that the, those folks who need it do get that. Uh, let's talk about the N95 masks, of course, a product of 3M, which our nation has had a relationship with for, for many, many years. We were told earlier, well, last, uh, late last week, that uh, Donald Trump had stepped in and said, do not ship those masks to Canada. Where are we at now, Mercedes? I know that the Prime Minister had some half-decently tough words, as tough as uh, Justin Trudeau could have over the weekend in a Canadian way. Um, uh, but nevertheless, uh, do we have the masks en route to our nation now? 
Well, that's a great question. And we haven't had an update on where they are. I can tell you that as of Friday, uh, the CEO of 3M had told the Canadian government, in fact, the minister in charge of procurement, um, that they, no shipments had been delayed, cancelled, uh, or rerouted. But that doesn't mean that's the case today. Um, you know, the weekend goes by now. Everybody's working through the weekend. But uh, President Trump's not really showing any signs of backing down. But he does have an out. There's a back door on this that he could use if he wanted to. And that is that under the Defense Production Act, which he's using to say he doesn't want them to send the mask to Canada, there's sort of this caveat that says if it's in the U.S.'s national interest to allow it to be shipped to another country, they can do that. And that is exactly the argument the Canadian government is trying to make. They're saying this is not only our national interest, it's an American national interest because what affects one economy and one health system affects the other because we're so interconnected. So you don't want the Canadian healthcare system to crash under COVID-19 because we don't have access to protective gear. That would hurt you too. And by the way, uh, they sort of subtly said, well, they said, we're not looking to retaliate. Uh, the, the message on Thursday when Justin Trudeau came out and said, well, a lot of nurses cross the border mm-hmm. in winter into Detroit every day. Yep. You shame if that couldn't happen. Um, so I think they're trying to clearly make that argument that it's really not in the U.S.'s national interest to send them here. And, and Trump did soften a little bit. He was saying, well, you know, countries like Italy and Spain have had them in, and, and we understand they need them. We'll send them there. Uh, so we'll see if Canada makes that list as well. You know, it, it could get ugly t- technically. And I, when you've got the, you know, Premier Jason Kenney and Premier Ford from Ontario, the cons- two very conservative premiers coming down down on Trump, it could be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, Premier Ford's words were really powerful. I mean, he just said, he, I'm so disappointed. I'm never relying on another president or prime minister or another premier ever again. Uh, we are going to have this capacity in Canada. And a lot of people are looking that too now as can Canadian industry gears up. And a lot of the production facilities for hand sanitizer or medical equipment are not normally that. So they're not going to stay in that mode likely after this pandemic passes. But it's really raised questions about being prepared, about how big the federal stockpile should be, uh, and about how much of this stuff should we ensure we have direct access to because it is in the national interest versus relying on getting it from somewhere else and the risk that it could be cut off. Or in some cases, we're hearing stories about this stuff basically being pirated at airports. One country uh, showing up and paying a company mm-hmm. off on the tarmac to take another country's mask. It's crazy. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, a little bit of the Wild West out there right now. Back on our side of the uh, border, uh, Quebec in focus, obviously the hardest hit in our nation. And last night with Mike LeCouture in the seat of the West Block, talking about the uh, you know extensive measures and the opt measures that Quebec has taken, including you know uh, closing most shops on Sundays, including some grocery stores, and limiting travel between Quebec and Ontario. Uh, I wonder if it's going to be enough, Mercedes. Well, there's a lot of pressure to increase not only limits on interprovincial travels, but just to be stricter about the self-isolation and in particular about people coming back from outside the country. Um, I'm hearing from multiple sources that there are premiers frustrated who feel that a lot of the snowbirds are coming back and they're not self-isolating. Uh, they're seeing family members or they're stopping off. And yes, you have to get home, uh, which means you may have to stop at a hotel. It means you may have to take a flight. And if you don't have symptoms, you're allowed to do that. But this is a large number of people coming back from an area that is the epicenter of the infection right now. And there's concern that if there's not very strict rules around that, it could really influence and impact the healthcare system. Uh, and in particular, because a lot of snowbirds are, are older, they're also in the demographic who is the most likely to suffer uh, a great deal as a result of COVID-19. So there's certainly a lot of concern about that. There's also talk about maybe there should be less essential workers crossing the border. Some cities in Ontario uh, are restricting people 
hospital saying you can only work in either the U.S. or Canada. You can't be a nurse at both hospitals. They don't want people crossing back and forth on that. Um, so I think you're starting to see that pressure ramp up. But uh, this week, too, will be very important in terms of us getting a sense of what's happening with the curve and whether or not they're going to look at imposing stricter measures. Mm-hmm. Could there be more restrictions coming? We'll certainly watch for that. And we may just chat with you later in the week. Thanks for joining us, Mercedes. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. That's Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of The West Walk. 8-11 now, full agenda to work through at today's Calgary City Council meeting, covering Council's second meeting since the local state of emergency was declared. 770 CHQR City Hall reporter Aurelio Perry. Hi, Aurelio. Hi there, Sue. Welcome back. you got a busy day today. Let's start with uh, some sort of property tax relief is expected to be discussed today, yes? Yeah, they're going to get uh, a financial picture of uh, what kind of shape the city's in and what kind of uh, uh, relief or uh, deferred system can be brought in. Don't know if they're going to do it off the top or the, where it is on the agenda will mean that it happens late this afternoon, possibly tomorrow, but probably later this afternoon. But who knows with, who knows with council? Uh-huh. Plus, it's uh, a, quite a strange setup when you only have... Uh, it'll be the mayor chairing the meeting today, mm-hmm. and he's likely the only one that's going to be there. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, again, it looks different, but business is going ahead. And with the property tax business and, and uh, residential, uh, it's going to be very interesting. And, and I think that in the end, uh, no one's going to walk away completely satisfied, but uh, there has to be some movement. And I think that residents and business owners alike are, are expecting that. Yeah, like you're going – today was always, um, you know – Tradition is that this first meeting in May is what they set the mill rate, it's called. And this mill rate determines how much property tax you pay. So initially you had, uh, you know, it was a 0% increase for property taxes residential. And they um, were going to get hit by the province. The province has taken away some of their hit by freezing their increase in education taxes. The 3.4% increase has been... uh, uh, frozen, but uh, the city now may look at extending when you have to pay it, which is normally June 30th, and defer it down the road. The city gets in trouble that they can't run a deficit, and so to balance the books, they need property taxes. So it may be a deferral for a couple of months or three months or so. So eventually, I think you're going to have to pay it. I don't know how much more relief they can give uh, uh, because. Basically, if you give uh, one-time relief this year, you've got to pay it back next year. Mm-hmm. So plan tax increase still expected to go ahead. What else is on the agenda? There's, are they talking about art today? Yeah, the public art program in basically it's setting up the request for proposals to go out and get an organization that would manage the public art program. Now, when it was in committee, there was uh, a lot of... Uh, consternation from some uh, people in the arts community saying there wasn't enough consultation uh, about this. However, you know, there was consultation, but probably not enough to what these people wanted. So what you're ha- what's happening is this organization will oversee the public art program, and they hope to get it started again later this year or early next year. And uh, our new revamped public art program will begin to try and avoid some of the big controversies that occurred in the past. City pensions also on the agenda, is that right? Yeah, the pensions are there, but it's more of an information type of uh, item, so there may not even be any discussion with it. So um, 
you know, a lot of the stuff that you see, there's uh, a lot of land use hearings and members of the public aren't coming down there, but they'll still participate over the phone. So that's rather a new, unique situation to have them, people over, over the phone talking about their concerns over an issue. And, you, you know, council members don't see who these people are. And it's quite interesting to have questions asked over the phone and these people responding over the phone. Um, it's uh, certainly an interesting setup because there'll be the mayor, the city clerk, and there might be a couple of other officials in there, and that's about it. Aurelio, just to pop back to the public art program for a second, is it possible they just leave that on hold for now? Because I can't imagine even people who are big lovers and supporters of art that anybody right now, the way things are, would be in favor of you know going ahead and spending on, on something like that. Yeah, the the only thing is that you're not spending any money on this. This is just basically okay. to who do will request. oversee it. Yeah, to put out to put out a feeler out there to see what kind of interest there is in the community for someone to run this program. I see. And so they'll gauge what kind of interest there is. So it's uh, not opening up the uh, the checkbook again to spending money on public art. That likely isn't going to happen until next year. Well, you know, we're not exactly sure what will uh, transpire today, but there's two things certain. Uh, City Council will have the mayor and Aurelio Perry, perhaps <laughs> two people in the chambers today. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, in an isolation booth okay. over, over top of council chambers, so I'm pretty safe. I've got, I've got my microphone taped to a golf ball retriever, so... That's fantastic. Um, I'll, be, I'll have enough <laughs> distance between me and the mayor when we interview him later. So are all of the media members completely separated then? Uh, well, we have, yeah, we have our separate little isolation booths over top of chambers. So there's only two or three of us up there. So, uh, and then we'll space ourselves out in the uh, scrums that occur. We'll make sure that we give ourselves enough room in between each other. <laughs> and a golf ball retriever with your mic <laughs> taped to it. That's yeah, the, a the great hockey, one. The hockey stick was a bit too heavy. I used that <laughs> on Thursday and the stick, it was old wooden stick and that was a bit too heavy. That's fantastic. Thanks, Aurelio. Uh, good You're luck. Welcome. Stay safe today at uh, Council. That is uh, 770 City Hall reporter Aurelio Perry. Well, as always on Mondays, we're, we love to have Dr. Ted Jablonski join us. Dr. J, our on-call family physician with us this morning. Hi, Dr. J. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Interesting topic. We're going to revisit the uh, the discussion about medical face masks. I mean, it's come more into play uh, just over the last few days, even saying experts that maybe it's not such a bad idea to wear them. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, this is a real, this is a real problem Isn't area. It? It's very, very controversial. And I'm, I'm disappointed that we're basing a lot of our decision making now on, on opinion, on fear tactics, and really not on science. You know, in the medical world, we believe science should lead the, lead the charge and we should make good scientific decisions. And here's a decision where we don't have a lot of science. So we're just making a decision. <laughs> So, so what do we what do? What is then? that decision you might yeah, ask? Yes. <laughs> so I think at the extremes, um, I think if you're working in an ICU on a patient who's, who's sick on a ventilator, you need full, we call PPE, right? The full gear, everything you can possibly get. On the other extreme of that is, you know, if you're on self-isolation in your home, not going out, staying at home, as we're told, you don't need anything at all. 
But okay. it's the middle. It's the middle ground that's killing us. The middle ground. When I'm out in public, uh-huh. what if somebody else is sick, and could I get sick from them? Should I wear a cloth? Grocery or store, for example. Right. If I'm in the grocery store, in the in the clinics now, we are. Uh, this is very difficult for for docs. Like, even if there's no patients in the clinic, should we all have masks? Because, in theory, we've had contact with with um you know with other patients yesterday uh you know we'll have some today do we do we all fully mask or, or not and what kind of masks do we wear do we wear surgical masks or n95 you know the, the top quality mask or or is a cloth made, homemade mask just fine and this is where we really are getting into trouble okay i'm going to give you a scenario i uh yeah. I've chosen to go into the superstore my family's at home or they're waiting you. in the car well you got to do <laughs> you got to draw straws sue um, and I go into the superstore. I keep my two meters per distance. I'm hand sanning, um, you know, uh, before I go in. When I come out, I'm avoiding touching as much as possible. Would the mask make a difference if I had that social distance in the grocery store? Well, so now I come into opinion. So I believe the physical distancing is way more critical than the mask. The hand washing is way more critical than a mask. If somebody's sick, like the notion is I can protect somebody else if I'm wearing a mask, right? If I'm having congestion or I'm coughing. If you're having congestion and coughing, you shouldn't be in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. You should be at home self-isolating. So in theory, if everyone was doing their part, the risk would be very low because anybody who had any symptoms or thought they were sick shouldn't be anywhere but in their home. But that here lies the problem. Um, You know, could somebody, you know, inadvertently or perhaps the other even getting more controversial is that asymptomatic patient shedding virus. Can I make somebody else sick when I'm not sick myself? I just didn't know it yet. Tomorrow I'm going to get sick, but today I'm still feeling fine. Could I shed some virus? And that's where everyone's saying, well, maybe just even a homemade cloth mask might protect a little bit against that kind of scenario. And that's my, the question. Is a little bit better than none? Well, so on the other side of that argument is that if you do not do this properly, you might actually increase your risk. And I, you know, my own personal observation of people in masks is people are touching their masks all the time. <laughs> they're, they're fooling around with them. They're pushing it on their nose. So they're actually touching their face more with a mask on than if they didn't have the mask on. So uh, an improperly used mask in theory is actually upping your risk. It's actually making it more dangerous to you. <laughs> So, boy, this is a tough area. So I saw somebody in a truck driving, what I assumed, toward the grocery store, wearing the mask, wearing the gloves while they're driving their truck. I don't know their background story. Maybe they were, you know, somewhere else before. But, you know, in the meantime, they're wearing the mask, maybe adjusting it, wearing gloves in the car, touching the steering wheel. <laughs> uh, would, yes. would we, if, if we felt we had to wear any protective gear, is it best to put it on just before you go into the location you have to be at? Yes, I would say that's correct. And okay. take it off when you're outside that scenario. Because they say, I mean, even early on uh, when this was just first coming, that if you even get something on your hands, you actually know it because you can feel it. And you go wash your hands. Mm -hmm. But if I have gloves on, I don't feel anything. So in theory, I could have stuff on my gloves, not feel it, uh, be trooping it all over the place, never, and you're not supposed to wash with gloves on. So instead of multiple hand washing, I have gloves on, I believe I'm protected, and I'm passing things all over the place bringing it home, taking off my gloves improperly. So I'm actually contaminating everything when if I just would have put them on at the last second, taken them off, 
hand washed, I would have been in better shape. So we think we're helping and potentially we may, may not be. Let's all just stay home and everything will be fine. How's that, Dr. J? <laughs> that might actually help a lot right okay, now. Deal. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate okay, it. You Th- betcha. That's our on-call family physician, Dr. Ted Jablonski. We've all heard of FaceTime, Skype, and Zoom, and you've uh, probably used one or maybe even a few different apps for video chatting, but which one is best for your needs? With a look at the pros and cons of some of the most popular video chatting apps, we're joined by tech expert Andy Breyer. Good morning, Andy. Uh, Good morning, Andrew and Sue. Uh, Where to start? I I don't even know because uh, we have these different apps, different options, and I might be using one, uh, you know, right now with my family and friends, but which one is best for me? I guess that's the question, but I guess we'd start with what do you want to use it for? Well, you know, video video chats have been around for quite a while, but people really didn't use them, but now that we have these social distancing measures, they're becoming very popular. In fact, some of the top downloaded apps on app stores, both on Google and uh, Apple, have been these video chats. So everyone's starting to use them. Um, People are getting used to it, and there's a lot of choice out there. So for most people, I think if you're just going to talk to your family and friends, you'll likely be using FaceTime Mm -hmm. if you have an uh, an Apple device, or WhatsApp, which is cross-platform but is also owned by Facebook. So the back end of that technology is very similar, but that's really what people are using because we're, we're, we're at home and we not just want to talk to people, but we want to see people's faces, and that's why you're seeing a lot of people turn to these video chats. Okay, so between WhatsApp and Facebook, you say very similar. Is there a bonus for either one? Well the, well, the hindrance of FaceTime is that you're going to need an Apple device. So okay. that, that is one thing that's going to hold you out. If you have a family member that's on Android and everyone else is on Apple, you might want to use WhatsApp because you can still uh, converse with them over video, but you don't have to be on the Apple platform. Uh, another thing is, you know, of course, everybody has a Facebook account. Inside Facebook Messenger, a lot of people don't know this, is that you can actually do video chat mm-hmm. as well. So instead of just, you know, typing, you know, stickers or emojis, you can actually have a video call as well. And that's really good, especially for older people who may not be very tech savvy, but use Facebook a lot. That's a really good way of keeping in touch with your loved ones. My question, Andy, is which one can you have the most people on or can you have a big group on all of them? Well, that's when you want to start using, uh, actually, for FaceTime, they allow up to 32 people. Ooh, oh, I did not know that. But, like, good luck trying to find 32, like, family or friend members that are all on Apple. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the one limitation of that. But then you would start to use, and you're seeing a lot of companies, because people are working from home, uh, you're seeing a lot of people start to use Zoom mm-hmm. because it's free and you can have multiple people. The only kicker with Zoom is that if you are using the free version, you can only have a 40-minute meeting. Which actually is pretty good because I think if any meeting goes beyond 40 minutes, you're probably <laughs> tuning out anyways. Yes, absolutely. Now, with, with Zoom and Skype is the other one we hear. Uh, I've heard Skype used quite a bit for business. So uh, what is Skype best for? Well, Skype is probably one of the most popular ones because it's been around for a long time. Microsoft purchased Skype years ago, and so they've been supporting that. The interesting thing, and a lot of people might not know this, is that they really stopped supporting Skype since I believe it was August of last year. And that's because Microsoft is moving over to something called Microsoft Teams. 
And it's basically the same technology from Skype, except it's all going to be within their Teams platform, which is really a collaborative tool for people to work when they're working remotely. So uh, Skype is very popular still with the news organizations because that's what everyone's been using. Um, Most people still have a Skype account. So it's still a great option. But what we've seen is, is the likes of Zoom come into play, and a lot of people are using it so much so that the server for Zoom has actually been crashing, and you're seeing a lot of security security vulnerabilities now on Zoom as well. Oh, wow. Okay. And is that the one, the only one at this point then that we have to pay for if we want, you said 40 minutes for free on Zoom. Beyond that though, do you have to pay for it? Is that one of the only ones that you actually have to pay for? Well, it's to get more users and more features um, than you would want to go into a paid subscription. And that's more when you're going on to the enterprise uh, style. However, if a business is using Google as their backbone for their email and all of their files within the G Suite, uh, Google Hangouts is another great feature that people can use. And the great thing about that is if your company is run on Google, then you're going to be able to share things like your Google Calendar if you use Hangouts. So that's a, a it's a good uh, option. It, it, it's really interesting because back in the day, you only had a couple of choices, but now there's just a wide variety of different of these video conferencing and video chat applications to choose from. So it really comes down to what are the other people using? What are they comfortable with? Because with Zoom, it can be a little bit... Um, tricky, especially you're seeing this phenomenon, I don't know if you guys heard about this, called Zoom bombing. It's like photo bombing, but on Zoom. And that's when somebody tries to open up a meeting and someone else who's not supposed to be part of that joins that meeting or starts to show slides. And a lot of the time it can be offensive stuff. Yeah. And they've seen this with classrooms right now. So if you are using Zoom, you really got to look into the security settings to make sure that people can't just show or share their screen who are uninvited guests. And that has been a big problem they've had the last couple of weeks. 709 on the morning news. The rescheduled Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics uh, should bring the world back together after coronavirus. The Olympics are based on the ideal that sports should be conducted at the service of humane social development, international understanding, and peace. We're joined by Professor of Kinesiology at the University of Toronto, Bruce Kidd. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Andrew. Bruce, I, I read the article that you wrote on this topic, and uh, to me, I, I, you know, it, it bottoms, uh, the bottom line is this could be a reset uh, for an Olympics that we may not have held in high esteem over the past uh, number of years. This could be just what the Olympics needs and, and we need at the same time. In my view, that's exactly it. Uh, The world is increasingly divided uh, by hatred and fear, and the coronavirus is accentuating those fears. Uh, There is good reason to close the borders and stop international travel, but some of that is being accompanied by by hatred, xenophobia, uh, racism against uh, people who are suspected of uh, bringing the virus, and we've got to break that down. The Olympics was always intended primarily as as an event to bring the world together, to help the world understand and respect difference, to uh, uh, give dignity to people who are different than ourselves. And uh, as you said, and thank you for that introduction, uh, the Olympics in Tokyo next summer could uh, restart that respect and symbolize for the world that we're all in this together. And I mean, let's face it, Bruce, people will need by that point something super positive to look forward to. And it's such a great way to express your nationalism as your country heads to the Olympics, too. 
I think that's true, and I think that uh, I'm also glad that you said that because uh, the the nationalism uh, expressed by the Olympics is pride in your own country, but not hatred of others. Right. Not the desire to uh, to conquer uh, others, uh, which is uh, the ugly form of of nationalism, which too much we're seeing in in many parts of of the world not only next to us uh in the united states but across europe across asia and and hopefully um the olympics which i hope will be televised around the world again next summer can can uh express demonstrate symbolize uh that coming together athletes live that world um Athletes today uh, train in many different countries. They have they have teammates. They have coaches from many different countries. Uh, you see this most recently in the NBA, where before and after games you see players from different teams and and different countries uh, who compete against each other in the Olympics, giving giving each other these warm hugs. I mean, it's the reality of sport is is a world. A, a world family, but uh, too too much today, uh, and I don't want to stress the negative, but it's it's frightening the way that uh, people are demonizing uh, people from other countries, and the Olympics can help change that. Mm-hmm. And the Olympics themselves, I think that you know we've had to perhaps we were going to put our uh, throw our hat in for another bid here in Calgary, and I think the IOC has somewhat been tarnished because of the commercialism behind it. But this gives the opportunity to say, you know what? Uh, yeah, we need sponsors. We need to get these things televised. There's bills that need to be paid, but this is about the human spirit. So what a great opportunity for the IOC and the Olympics movement to be seen in a different light instantly come uh, summer next year. I hope so, and most of the sponsors would be on side because they're they're global brands. They're 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 international. Uh, I think that uh, they and and. The athleticism, the the desire to compete and win is not going to go away, but it can be done uh, under uh, a symbolic uh, framework of of the world is coming together. I mean, and I don't know I don't know what tweaks they do to the opening ceremonies to the broadcast to achieve that. Uh, I know in the closing ceremonies that are not as well covered, the athletes uh, march in, uh, all mingle together. The the flag bearers are walking in a group. If we could create that kind of spirit, and 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 also show that uh, it's in a spirit that is you know respects health and well-being and 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 so on, I think that would give the world a real boost. It's Bruce, you know, you're saying things that are really striking a chord with me. You know, this we're all in this together. The Olympics, we're all kind of in it together. And right now the world is in this pandemic together. And it's really been quite amazing to see, you know, communities, provinces, this entire country, ours anyway, coming together. And then I think that that's really symbolic of what's going to happen when the Olympics do finally arrive. I hope so, because sport is so interconnected. Uh and, uh, and and yet uh, the Olympics have increasingly been framed by high performance and by marketing, and that interconnectedness has somewhat been marginalized. And, I mean, now uh, we, we miss that and uh, we need that, and the Olympics can show that. And I think something that gets, you know, maybe overshadowed, the Paralympic Games. We're talking about, uh, next to the Olympics themselves, this is a huge event. So not just uh, one short uh, uh, stint, 
but a couple back-to-back really shining the spotlight on, uh, you know, world spirit. And and that, too, would be just wonderful. Uh, I agree with you that, that about the Paralympics. Uh, in some ways, the Paralympics, because of the cost of tickets, have become much more accessible for, for people to watch. And as more and more countries telecast the games, uh, more and more people can see what uh, what remarkable athletes compete in those games and and that that affirms the ability of all humans to overcome whatever physical or other uh, drawbacks they have to, uh, to to do amazing amazing things uh, if um, you know this this whole uh, pandemic has made it more difficult with persons with disabilities, uh, with marginalized people uh, to get ahead. There's, there, there are a lot of elbows out there right now, and, uh, and you're probably reporting and reflecting on this uh, w- way more than I'm thinking about it, but every day there's a story about the competition for masks or how people are denying access to needed services, along with the stories of of heroism among the health workers, the Paralympics could could reinforce the sense that no matter who we are, uh, we deserve dignity and we deserve access to to services wherever we are in the world and whatever our our condition. Thanks so much for joining us. A great perspective, Bruce. Really appreciate it. Sue, thank you very much. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Be safe out there. That's Bruce Kidd, Professor of Kinesiology at the University of Toronto.